show, we have Rick the Hotto Thire. I promised I would pronounce it right, and I just nailed it. Is that it? Thire. Thire? Like okay. fire with a thigh. Okay. Thire. I'm not going to mess that up. Um, the Thire pronunciation. You ever heard of a little tournament called Combo Breaker? Loosely. Are you involved in any way, shape, and form with Combo Breaker? Loosely. Okay. Well, uh, we have a lot of questions. The numbers are out. How many people entered that tournament? Mm, I bet you there's some interesting factoids and data and numbers in there. We'll be digging into that as well as plenty of other stuff. Um, the Hado, Rick Thire, has told me I'm probably just going to steer the conversation over and over and over again to the Tekken World Tour. So be prepared. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. We're very excited to have him on the show. But first, like we do every night, um, every Tuesday night, we're going to start off by introducing our compatriots here. John Velociraptor Guerrero. That's him right there. What's up, team? Hey, what's up, John? And Steve, Ace King Offsuit Jurek. What is he doing? I have no idea. I never know what I'm Which doing. Which stage is that? That's like the infinite something or infinite Azure? That is infinite Azure, my friend. And uh, I don't know. Because I can't be contained by walls. <laughs> That's what I heard. Um, I'm not sure what it is that Elon did, but uh, apparently you can throw hey, tomatoes ass I'm or something. Here. Shout out to Anonymous. Um, Don't actually read his name <laughs> if he's purposely subbing anonymously. But it says right there. Okay. Oh, wait. I, I, also, I have a new one. Wait, 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 wait for it. I got a new one. I got a new one. I got a new one. Wait, 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 wait. Check this one out. Oh, Ready? wow. And Ace. Oh, that's a good one. That, that, that might have to be like a permanent what one. What is that? Go back to it. John didn't see it. There it is. No, it's no, I, <laughs> <laughs> great. What y'all think in the chat, y'all? Um, anyway, we're very excited. So. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Uh, most importantly, um, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite got a patch. You're pumped, right? You're coming back to the game? It got, uh, what, were, what was the exact quote? Minor system changes? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what those system changes are in a bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, how about a recap, Steve? Yeah, I guess we can do that. Okay. Uh, busy week uh, on... And it kicked off with, of course, everyone's favorite show, E-League the Challenger, <laughs> uh, episode four of five. So the buildup to the finale is set. Uh, it was a double elimination challenge. Hey, uh, JB won both here. immunity challenges, so he punched his ticket to the final. Uh, in the first elimination match, uh, JB threw Guilty into the eliminator. Uh, Guilty picked Diat, Diat, or... Uh, Picked Rob, excuse me. Hmm. I I'm not good with this. Uh, beat Rob five two, and then uh, in the second match it came down to Commander Jesse and Guilty uh, five one win for Jesse. So your grand final is set this Friday. JB versus Commander Jesse. No way. winner goes to E League. Oh wow, it's exactly the grand finals I predicted weeks ago. And we're going to get to watch Dawson versus Pre-Patch Rashid. Awesome. I wonder who's going to win. A L- little, <laughs> uh, little bit of something interesting here. Um, there are 24 people that are going to make E-League. One through this and 23 through invitation. 22 have been named. There's still one person out there, in addition to whoever wins this, that that hasn't uh, announced themselves. So I'm wondering, uh, a la the Ultimate Fighter 1, if both finalists might end up uh, 
in the uh, E-League field. Or maybe no. it's low tier God. <laughs> Hopefully. We can, we can only hope. I heard it was going to be John. John, didn't you? Uh, aren't you the secret uh, competitor? Well, no. Nope. Which what, you're not supposed. To, oh damn! Sorry, dude. I wasn't supposed to reveal that. Anyway, good luck. <laughs> good, good luck at uh, E League. Um, all right, cool. I guys, I I had been DVRing them, and uh, the other night I sat there and tried to watch them all. They're not that good. How far <laughs> did you get? I I saw everything except for this latest episode. Really? Did you watch like three episodes of, of E League? I had seen the first one. I uh, binged two of them. Forty-four minutes of E League. Huh? And then uh, you know it's fine. I don't think I don't feel like it was staged, like people were saying. You know, it all. Seems no, I don't legit. think the gameplay was staged or anything. I just uh, wonder. Actually, actually, that's one of the questions I have for Rick. Um, you know, FGC in all its forms, reality TV. How do you feel about that? Um, but you know, I guess it's entertaining and yeah. it's giving us exposure. Yeah, it's 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 weird because I I feel like there's potential for a good show here, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really click for me as a Street Fighter show. It doesn't really click as a an exhibition of these people, and it doesn't really click as uh, as a reality show. You know, the 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 reality competition aspect isn't really coming through for me. So. It feels like it's trying to do a bunch of things, not really succeeding at any. But but um, but, but more importantly, shouts to Sencho for uh, the sub. Yes. Thank you very much. And we got to watch goat yoga. So. Oh yeah, I, I did. Uh, oh yeah, didn't I actually get like uh, dumped all over? <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah. That was funny. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um, all right. So moving on back to the recap, please. All right, uh, let's go to more traditional tournaments, kicking off with the Latin America South uh, online event this weekend in the CPT. This was for South America, and it was Brolinho who fought back through a couple of disconnect problems early in top eight to take it over HK Dash, coming up through the loser's bracket in grand final. Uh, you see Zenith and Stunner, some, some of the more familiar names when it comes to Latin American tournaments, uh, Dark, Picaro, Preta, all those guys in there. So Brolinho, uh, with his third online win over the last three years, he, he won once in 2016, once last year, once this year. He's, he's, he's figuring out the, the lag switch tech. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I, I'm I'm not saying he's he's like switching. No, that's on the he's record. Dealing. Too late. He, I mean, he's dealing with. Did you guys? you guys know? Uh, we were covering this uh, earlier on, you know, before top eight and such. And uh, our tournament coverage guy let us know that uh, Brojino was playing Alex for up until top eight. Oh, really? So he got there with Alex. Uh, I mean, Alex plus lag switch, of course. So it doesn't mean the character's good <laughs> or anything like that. But this is something noteworthy that someone took Alex all the way to a top eight of an online tournament. Yeah, that is of note. Uh, I think that means automatically that you owe somebody some chun costumes for some reason. It just oh, just because someone made top eight at Latin America online with Alex? Mm-hmm. Seems like something appropriate. And then didn't play Alex in the top eight. <laughs> Damn it. All right, fine. <laughs> chun DLC retracted. Uh, but let's take a look at the global standings now after that event. And... Not a whole lot of change, but you see on that left-hand column, you got three names from the Latin America region in the top ten. Cobb at number seven, 
Menardi at eight, Berlino now at nine. So the, uh, the region that everyone thought was the, re- the weakest, they're coming in strong right now. Yeah, but how many more could we see potentially if there were more events uh, with a higher point spread in that region? Because you could make the argument that as a whole, that region does not have enough points to go around. They they have more ranking events than anybody, but the the strength of ranking events this year is just so low that it's all about premieres. If it's you're not, yeah. Go ahead. It's just kind of interesting because I actually do think it will help a few more Latin American players make it in that they don't have as many premier events. Okay, because I, I think that. you won't have as many people coming out to snipe them. So I think you'll have a good amount of like. Some dude consistently gets second or first at you know a bunch of the Latin America events and makes it in that way. Yes, but, but certainly there won't be a, a wide enough representation right. as maybe and, there could and, possibly. And Caba and Mena have traveled. I assume Berlino has probably traveled. Um, you know they have the ability to do so. Yeah, no, certainly. And there's a few. There's definitely a few uh, North American players who have been consistently going to to Latin events and probably will continue to. Mm-hmm. I, I would say expect to see you know Chris T and Flash Metroid who have done that a lot in the past continue to do that. Right on. Absolutely. Steve? Uh, let's roll on to the Tekken World Tour um, with with uh, not Texas Showdown. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. This, this Damn has been a rough, Steve, oof, no. It's oh. been a rough week for me. You can personally. donate bits to throw tomatoes at Steve, by the way. <laughs> That's a thing. I, I'll just I'll just throw something at myself. Here. There. Um, the Coliseum in Rome, Italy, which is certainly not Texas Showdown. Uh, that went down this past weekend. Uh and it was the great Italian Hope Tishuman taking it over Asim. Uh, it was really interesting because Tishuman just blew through the bracket up until grand final. And then Asim came in, nearly took him in the winner's final, nearly took him in, in uh, grand final. So strong showing for him, but just not enough to take down uh, the Japanese player who has made his adoptive home in Italy. Uh, if we take a look at the global standings for the Tekken World Tour, you see Tishuman now tied for 10th place with 150 points. Uh, you're going to start to see some separation over the next few weeks because you've got the next three events are all master events. You've got uh, Battle Arena Melbourne this weekend, Combo Breaker next weekend, and then uh, two weeks after that, it will be Fighting Game Challenge in Poland. So uh, expect to see some players make some big moves uh, in the coming weeks. How many make it again? Uh, it will be the top 19 automatically qualify, okay. and then the final spot goes to a last chance qualifier at, uh, at the site of the uh, finals, which is the Netherlands. And then it works in like a group stage, right? Where they have like five man groups or something like that. Yep, just like last year. The only difference is the top four players will be in separate pools, but they won't reveal uh, which pools they are in until after uh, everyone has picked. So I like that you format. Might, yeah, you 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 don't know if you're going to be facing JDCR or Knee or Sane as your top seed. Or maybe Anakin. May, who, who knows who's going to get that top spot? It's a good format. Jo- jo- John, are you, uh, are you getting bits to throw shit at people? No. <laughs> I see you looking down at your phone. You're doing it, aren't you? 
Got him. All right, moving on. <laughs> he is busted. Uh, let's take it back to Street Fighter. Uh, over in Japan, there was a qualifier for the Red Bull Kumite, and that was won by the artist formerly known as Yukidan, uh, Fujimura. I don't know how long I'm going to call him that. but It's still necessary, and I appreciate that you did that, because like, for the first second, I was like, who's this Fujimura guy? We should be paying more attention. To- oh, it's Yukidan. <laughs> Wait, Yukidan changed his name to Fujimura? <laughs> yeah. Yuck, 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 yuck. All right. So, yeah, he took it over Haku. So he is headed uh, to Red Bull Kumite, which will take place in November this year. So uh, no. Remember that log jam we had last year with uh, CPT uh, or with uh, E-League Finals and Stunfest and Combo Breaker all at the same time? Yes. Not happening this year because Stunfest is this weekend. Combo Breakers next weekend, and then uh, Red Bull Kumite moved over to November. So, mm-hmm. right one on. more breathing room. Hey, yeah, was that, that was bad did I see Trashbox on that list? Yes. That's the dude that has the most points by like 18 million on yeah, the CFM. Yeah, 300,000, yeah. That's I was I just recently got to to master which is 30k and I was feeling like he's got oh, 10 man, times like more points than good you yeah this is like this is a good achievement like all right I'm, we're we're back in there right and then I look at the leaderboards and like some of these guys have like 160 200 300 and I'm like what what is life anymore I don't it doesn't even matter um, but it's good to see that uh, someone like that could still get seventh at an event and not just win it all out so cool okay neat all right. Uh, let's go north of the American border uh, to Canada Cup. Uh, they had their Master Event Series or Master Series event this past weekend. Uh, Street Fighter, they used a bit of a different format. You know, it was a regular tournament up until top eight. And then on Sunday, everybody played round robin uh, to determine who the winner would be. And that winner was Justin Wong. Oh, that was a terrible. Yeah, dude. You know what? Try it again. No, no, (laughs) I don't deserve a second chance. Uh, But Justin taking it, uh, Punk finishing second, uh, tied with LPN, but got the head to head. Uh, You see Ricky, K Brad, PR Rog, Cyril Blast, the only Canadian to make it into the top eight, had the country on his back. Strong showings for him. Didn't go, quite go his way on sunday but still a good showing did did any of the uh like because these guys were supposed to do for those stretch goals for that um the macharino right like justin wong was supposed to drop an elbow on the k-brad from off the top rope somewhere and all these guys were supposed to do drunk karaoke and i don't remember ever seeing any of that come to fruition did, did anyone else see that or is that just like hey give us a whole give us five thousand dollars and we'll do all this stuff and then they never did I do know that they did some drunk karaoke. I know uh, Goichi did uh, the One Punch Man theme. And it is just as amazing as you think it would be. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, apparently some of the other players uh, did karaoke too. The, all, all I saw was Goichi. So. Um, the one thing I saw that was incredibly impressive, if you ask me, was, uh, of course, Justin Wong's bulk. Who was in on that? Who saw that? Let's get yeah. a taste. Yeah, he pretty much washed he, almost everyone with Falk. Let me fast forward a little bit. And I think he beat K-Brad in 10 straight rounds. It was it was bad. Um, and, well, and then how much of this is people not knowing Falk because like everyone's like, oh, she's really bad and no one's going to play her versus how much of it is, you know, Justin Wong being just really good with her? No, I, I, mean, think, I think Falk is OP. We just didn't know. 
She's broken. <laughs> no, but but really, like that's that's something because everyone was so against this character. Like she's she looks bad. She is bad. Uh, you know, the infiltration. I don't know how jokingly calling her like the worst character in the game. Um, but certainly, no one expected her to show up in any top eights. And then here we have her winning. Now this isn't a Capcom Pro, Pro Tour event. And if you watched it, it was very lighthearted. These guys were kind of just like almost joking around on a Saturday afternoon as opposed to being at like a, a legit tournament. Like uh, that was kind of like the air about it. But I mean, there's still some significance in here in this brand new character winning an event like this. He definitely made her look a lot better than anyone thought she I'm was. I'm going to fast forward um, and uh, I hope you, this isn't a spoiler or anything, but you just got to see his finish, man. It was intense. Yeah, let's watch that. Well, the way he chatting. won and the way he played, I'm not. I'm not fast to say that Falk is any amazing character more so than just he completely outsolided the people he played versus. Look and, at that. I mean, he. It he looks just, like she does. He really made Cammy. it happen, and I think this format really plays to Justin's strengths, and uh, he made it happen. We'll keep watching Being this. Good. Keep talking about Fox so we can leave it on this clip. Well, and, and I feel like she's a defensive character. She has to be, right? Yeah, like, for she, sure. She's not all about that rushdown. She's got some great some great strings, like right here, I think it is, where you can't push anything. She's like plus 8,000. Yeah, she gets like a jillion chip this. damage pretty much for free. Yeah. Yeah, Boom, but most of the time, look at that. just him hanging oh, back. Exactly. And waiting for you to enter that, that area where she can hit you from because she's got great distance. She's just not very fast about it. And the controller disconnected even before <laughs> the, uh, the animation's done there. But I, I really do think that um, in a game like Street Fighter V where, where defensive play is not usually the best, and that's safe for, you know, like Guile, maybe not. But in general, like if you were defensive, especially earlier on in Street Fighter V, you were not a good character. And then here we have Falk come in, and it's like, that's kind of how Justin's been playing her, and and he's seen a lot of success. So maybe that's a testament to the game growing and to it becoming a little bit more um, uh, versatile, or 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 uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think that this is an interesting new thing, and uh, and it's a good look overall for Street Fighter Five. Well, we had a K Brad reaction here. I seriously hate the argument that Justin Wong is winning with X characters, so they must be good now. This is the same dude that was bodying people with Dan and cooking with random select. He's literally the king of games. Use someone else, please, and thank you. I thought uh, Yukimoto was king of games. <laughs> that reference went over my head. That's goddamn. <laughs> I'm just o for everything today. I'm sorry. Um, it was a good delivery. I don't. I didn't get it either, but I'm sure the comedic timing was was spot on. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, was right on point. Uh, people in the chat are asking Yu-Gi-Oh. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> No, seriously, what are you talking about, man? It's time for a duel. <laughs> it is time for a duel. It was an interesting format, though. Like. It took a it took a hell of a long time for sure. I mean, obviously, to run all of those first of fives, but yeah. I think that was kind of the point of the event, and I think it was it was pretty cool to watch. You you have some other Canada Cup uh, stats here for us, Steve? Uh, yeah, there were other events at the tournament besides uh, Street Fighter. Uh, you had Dragon Ball Z, and you know if if Dragon Ball Z is there and Goichi's there, Goichi's taking it all. Uh, beat Chris G, went undefeated throughout the tournament, and then dominated Teemo 10-1 in their exhibition. Uh, so another strong weekend for him. Um, Mewtwo King had a good uh, weekend in Smash. Uh, Punk ended up taking the Marvel crown and then Justin on top of his Street Fighter 5 win also took the title in both uh, Ultra and Tekken. You remember when we had Timo on the show and it was like yeah man Marvel it's a new era let's bring this guy on and let's talk about him it feels like a lifetime ago 
Well, he's been doing good in Dragon Ball, and he did make it to partway through the summit voting. I think he's eliminated by now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, an exhibition versus Goichi at this point is just kind of like a ticket to death. It's almost like a bad thing to accept. It's like you're just going to lose, and it's just like how many games you get is how good people are going to think you are. When in reality, I mean, someone did he's like 101 in tournament sets, and the one he lost was to his training partner who he then beat and ended up winning the tournament anyway. So I don't think seeing 10-1 should make you necessarily think someone's bad when it's versus a guy who is basically untouchable for now. Sure, I'm just feeling like, damn, what a shame that uh, Marvel oh. just had so much potential. And then it crashed. And then just snap the Got its huge update, gone. though, yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Do you all want to talk about that? Let's do it. DRM removal. You, you pointed <laughs> something out, or somebody tweeted at you. Someone tweeted us, yeah, that... Um, Essentially, what the update seems to have done, and I don't know 100% of the details, is removed the DRM from the game. And typically, that is a sign that you know they don't think they're going to get many more sales and thus aren't as worried about piracy. So it kind of looked very exciting and then ended up not being very exciting. You Denuvo, know? is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, Denuvo is the name of the piracy. Now, now it, should, that, it, should, hmm? it should be pointed out that uh, some people have... Uh, reported issues with the game uh, running the DRM. Uh, oh, I see. So they're removing it to make it a the removal, experience. Yeah. Uh, load times have been uh, f- reported as faster. Uh, uh, general overall performance has improved slightly in the game, uh, at least according to early reports. So it's not like it's only saying, okay, we don't care about the game anymore. It is a patch that does make the game better but at least in some aspects but it's still a bunch of radio silence from capcom on this you know and i don't think you're gonna see anything else and, and yeah. what i understand is how come some of the, uh, on some of the consoles or platforms the update is much larger than others what's that all about because well, because the drm is uh it's only on pc right is that not a console thing well, it's so, kind of harder so, to pirate, I guess, on PS4 than it is on PC. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think that's uh, that's exclusive to PC. I, I might be wrong. I'm not an expert. Yeah, and then it's also kind I of think, researching this. Yeah, certainly mm-hmm. that 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 much is true. And on Steam, I think like part of the thing is you have to download all previous patches at the same time whenever you download a patch. So that's why it's 10 gigs instead of 400 megs like it is on PS4 or whatever. Right, yeah. and, and, and Xbox, the, the way the game uh, updates on both Xbox and PC is that um, you be, it basically replaces an enti- the entire file, whether, you know, if it's small parts or big parts, they just replace the entire thing. Um, what kind of parts are your favorite parts, download. Steve? Um, we're not going to talk about my favorite parts. <laughs> but you like them very yeah, small, um, I'm asking. Uh, was it? Du- I, I forget. I forget the name of the company. Duvo or what was it? Denuvo. Denuvo. They are. They also work with Injustice uh, too. They also work with Tekken Seven. And uh, about a month ago, Harada came out saying um, that Tekken. There were a couple Tekken Seven problems that were happening because of uh, that third party being with them, and they weren't going to sever ties with them. They're still working with them. Uh, but like this has been a thing uh, for Unreal games in particular. Unreal Engine games, I should say. Um, and so uh, this is not just like a, a Marvel-only thing. That's like other companies have been experiencing the same kind of stuff. And I think Marvel's one of the only ones to actually make that disconnect happen. And it very well could be. It's because, like, well, we're not worried about our game getting pirated very much anymore. So we can go ahead and do that. And just probably be thankful. For, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then make it like so the experience for those that are still playing can be a little bit better. And hey, you want a pirate? Go go ahead. You know, speaking of piracy. Uh, I was so setting you up for that. And I'm so glad you picked it. Thank you, John. Um, I really like pirates. No, just kidding. Uh, Art, Arturo Sanchez, Sabin, NYC Furby uh, took to Twitter to tell you sons of bitches to quit pirating his shit. All right. He's had enough. Uh, who's going to read this wonderful quote? You usually do. Arturo NYC Furby Sanchez <laughs> on people uploading others' Twitch archives to their own YouTube channels. Quote, the fight against people that pirate tourney VODs will continue. One way is immediate uploads. Why do we care so much? Some of these pirate VOD channels make thousands a month in ad revenue off tourney footage. Meanwhile, the actual streamer of said content gets absolutely nothing, LOL. It's a unsustainable system that needs to end. If you, I, notice the number of mid-tier streamers in tourneys actually dropping because of this, there's top-tier streamers, and then there's everyone else. Did I say that right? I think I read that right. Um, dude, that's real shitty. And you know, uh, this is obviously not a new issue. Um, I know Panda has dealt with this before. I work at a company where we uh, live stream lots of events from different sports, and um, we, on our bigger events, have a small army of people uh, issuing takedown notices and strikes and, and and it takes a team to do it literally mm -hmm. um, and they take down hundreds of illegal streams and restreams and archives and 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 uh, you know people capturing it on screen they even have people with their phone shooting the screen and live streaming from their like shooting their own screen it's ridiculous it's a huge issue it is a substantial dent in their bottom line and uh, there should be a way to do it easier. I mean, I feel like YouTube, um, I guess it's hard, right? It's tricky to know whose it is. Um, but, you know, like you can't pirate a movie and put it on YouTube because there's like algorithms that will find that. People go around it. They like squish the footage, play it in reverse or flip it, play a little faster. Um, so I wonder what, it, what we could do to help these, I, this issue. There was, uh, of all people, um, there was a low-tier god video about this. And the reason I know about it is because Ernesto Lopez tackled this at the, uh, at the request of Arturo Sanchez um, and, and released a video today. Anyway, they were talking about it, and they said that there is some kind of a, of, of a rollout coming up by YouTube, or maybe it's out already, I'm not sure, that helps to do that, helps to identify uh, when this kind of a thing is going on and then actually get the money to the original content creators so um it's something that's that's on the minds of youtube it, they're like working out for solutions and such but uh, and i also think that this kind of a thing is gonna happen this is like we're just seeing the natural process live streaming as we see it now is is still very new in a lot of ways and um and, and when you have something like this the regulations aren't going to be there right at first and then and then things like this happen you find a need for it and then things get worked out uh, regulations get put in place, rules get put in place and stuff. So um, I, I have faith that this won't be an issue for all that much longer. But in the meantime, it would be horrible to like to lose streamers like Panda, mm -hmm. like like Arturo, like all these guys, um, uh, because <laughs> because we ourselves as the FGC are like taking the content and, and, and doing this shitty thing. So I get it. I get why you would do it. But it's very clear that we need to stop doing it now because uh, because otherwise we're not going to have nice things anymore. You know, the other you go ahead. The other thing uh, that would help is actually from Twitch um, because a lot of people have the mindset where if I want to watch it as it's happening, I want to watch it on Twitch. If I want to watch it after it's happened, I'm going to YouTube because 
if you want to search uh, VODs on Twitch, it is still a rough process. If I want to pick out one match from uh, from the recent Tekken World Tour event or the recent uh, CPT event, I can't really do that unless uh, Capcom clips it uh, or makes it a highlight, and they're not always going to do that. So I either have to wait, you know, go go through the footage and try and or go through the video and try to pinpoint where the match starts or, you know, check on YouTube and five minutes after it's happened, it's already up there, you know, that, and, and that got us too, you know, um, if you remember one of our first episodes was yipes, uh, I just checked our video, our upload is still on there and it has 317 views. Hell yeah. Someone Someone uploaded it. It's been deleted since, but it had at least 10,000. So what? Uh, after, like, five days. So we should all be millionaires, but we're not. We, we could have been millionaires, man. Damn it. Damn. That's a lot of bits. Um, you mentioned R.I.P. R.I.P. bits. Yeah. I don't even know what to do with ourselves anymore. No, it, it does suck. And it's like, hey, man, I'm doing a service for the people. They want to see this ASAP. They were uploading these matches really quickly just don't do it man that's shitty um panda has moved on he's uh he's moved on to bigger better things uh he does still uh set up streams but uh you won't see him on the full on the floor doing what somebody like an alan here alan wave would you there he is that's the guy <laughs> um these technical directors and streamers and uh, hard-working people uh, are trying to make a living too all right um yep Thank you, Milan. Um Anything else people want to say about this? Uh, there's a lot of back and forth on it. Don't Pretty do cut it. and dry. It's, it's a shitty thing you shouldn't to do. do it. It's a shitty thing to do. Hopefully, I mean, I think the best thing that they they can do is, as you said, just upload them faster and hope that YouTube makes their algorithms better. Because I mean, the the fact of the matter is, whether people think it's good or bad, obviously, people are just clicking on the first thing that shows up when they want to watch a certain match. So. And uh, Steve, I think you wrote here, is there room for middle class streamers? Did you write that? Because that, that's what I'm sort of worried about. And that's what uh, Art was touching on. If, you know, bigger streamers can survive something like this because they have, you know, more revenue coming in. So, so it's still a hit and it's still bad, but it's survivable. If it's someone like a BG Callisto or um, a Funky P guys who i know have to deal with this all the time that those vi those views could be the difference between making their money back on travel and whatnot or not making it back so i'm worried about people like them getting squeezed out of tournaments or at least having their potential reach limited because they can't really afford to do it anymore and uh speaking of losing money Evo Japan took a loss of over $1.1 million. Yikes. Now, you know, you got to spend money to make money, right? Um, it was open, wasn't it? Wasn't it like an open tournament? Yep, it's free entry. I feel like you got to make that splash, right? We'll make our money back next year. These guys make so much money on Evo, y'all. I mean, I don't know that, but, um, but maybe it's enough that this doesn't really hurt. Uh, it did have a big splash. It had a lot of good competition, and it was an exciting event. Um, and it's crazy to think that, you know, a lot of people, the comment that was coming out of it was, man, this is real grassroots. It feels like a real grassroots event. Yeah, well, that grassroots event lost a million dollars. Um, yeah. 
Well, I mean, it, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, what you got, John? It really depends. It, like, I mean, oh, I like a John go. Go ahead, John. It's it's okay. So you see that, and that's that's going to be your headline, right? I, I wrote an article about it. That was the headline because that's very much true. Um, and and they do lose 1.1 million, and that's significant. But you got to read the rest of it. You got to look at the whole picture. It's like this is the the first one that they've done. And in business, you know, you, you usually spend your first year or two not making money on things. Uh, also, Japan is really behind as far as like the esports world goes because of all the gambling laws. And, and we've talked about this a couple of times. That all said, uh, they are making movements toward getting over this, around these, circumventing these problems. And uh, I mean, they, they announced at the end of Evo, like it wasn't an official, but it was like one of the guys on stage or whatever was like, yeah, and Evo Japan will be back. Um, so I, I do think that this is going to be an ongoing thing, and I do think that it will be more and more efficient. One, as the gambling laws are circumvented or better circumvented, and two, just you know, as you know, you learn and, and you. I think there was a problem with the venues or something like that, with like a last minute having to have um, like day one at one venue and day two at another, or something along those lines, and that's going to drive up costs and such. Um, all that to say. You kind of expect this first round to be in the red. Do you expect it to be $1.1 million in the red? I don't know. But again, with all of the, you know, hey, the, the situation here. being as it is with Evo uh, or with Japan having the esports problems and such, it's not that big of a surprise. So hopefully next year comes around. We have a little bit better numbers. It still might very well be in the red. But as long as the event doesn't die, and, and as long as we can keep moving forward, I think that eventually it will be um, profitable and, and everything will be good. Shout-outs to uh, Trevzor for the sub. Thank you. And to everybody uh, giving us those bits. We don't want you to just uh, cheer or bit, bit at us, whatever the hell you say, cheer at us. We want you to throw tomatoes at, or flowers at Mike. Throw flowers at Mike. Throw... Money at Steve and throw tomatoes at John. Seems fair. Are right? you trying to say I need money? <laughs> no, uh, I just think that you know you're used to it, right? From all your uh, stage acting. What? Right, moving on. Moving on. Um, okay. Um. You 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 don't think that it's um? Let's uh you know you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. You got to spend some money. I, I to think make it money. might. I mean, a million dollars means a lot of different things to different investors. You know. Sure. For some, it could be yeah, we we knew we were gonna lose a million dollars. That might have been exactly how much they thought they were going to lose. As you said, it was a free entry tournament. So I mean, there are methods for making money were different. Um, it could be a, hor a horrible loss for them and totally not what they expected. But just the figure a million dollars doesn't really mean anything yet. Because, you, know, you know, there was a lot of fanfare, a lot of buildup and a lot of excitement and a lot of, hey, we're going to, like, you know, uh, Markman, like, Instagramming that he's on his way to Japan, important meetings, this, that, and the other. I feel like we'll see another one next year. We'll I think we'll under. see another one. I do think that – I think it's going to take a while, if ever, that it becomes, you know, truly an Evo 2. I, I, and I don't even know if that's their goal. Yet again – Without hearing more numbers, that one doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, that it, it's not so much that there was a loss or even that it was a big loss. I just wonder about what is the path to uh, making money here? Because, you know, the, the biggest thing is, well, they don't have, they can't collect tournament, tournament entry fees because that's considered gambling. Well, we don't know if the law is going to change tomorrow, next week, next year, next decade. You know, it, we don't know that. So I don't know what the path is 
going forward necessarily. Now they they could very well have, you know, uh, more sponsorships lined up for 2019, better sponsorships, uh, you know, have not having to change venues so late in the game might bring that cost down. So I, I, I think there's room for success, but really with that big, uh, roadblock in the way, I'm worried about what the upper limit is and how far people are willing to, or how, how how long people are willing to take a loss and hope that that uh, law gets changed for an eventual turnaround. I know a way that um, more money can be generated. Investing, a.k.a. sports betting. Wow. You are like the king of segs today. <laughs> I'm working on them. Um, I, you remember Jared, right? Jared Wynn from the Dowdy Sports Days. He uh, is currently helping develop. He works at a sports betting site that hasn't launched yet. I'm not going to mention the name. Um, and they do have an esports swing, and he's heading that up. And he was telling me, because uh, I reached out to him, what, what, what does this mean for y'all? This is a direct quote from my buddy Jared. The states have to pass their own regulations first. It's still illegal everywhere it was before this happened. Some will change that quickly, like New Jersey. The federal government also has regulation coming through. There's a lot to be sorted at federal and state levels. We're not even changing plans, blah, 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 blah. But this should make all the daily fantasy shit more practical to run. We have legal uh, being, uh, I'm going. Anyway, the point is, um, it definitely moves the needle. Um, and by the way, these guys will have an FGC uh, sports betting site uh, as the bracket narrows and all that. Um, this is the one thing that I was I saw I heard in the news and then this guy uh, my buddy Jared uh, brought it up again. Just to be clear, none of this is a sure thing yet. The big sports leagues and the NCAA will lobby to have everything outlawed again, and the moral police will do what they do. But this ruling and all the money available, I'd be shocked if we didn't get shit legalized. Thank you, Jared, for that. Um, so what do y'all think? Um, I think people want it. I think that if you go to Evo, you see a lot of it uh, already where it's uh, legal, of course, in Vegas. Um, but, the, 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 of course, the concern, and we brought it up before, is um, without sports betting, how will Mike get those sh- boat shoes? No, um, <laughs> w- w- will it lead to corruption and uh, match fixing and, uh, you know, match throwing, all that shit? It's a big, it's a big mess, guys. Thoughts? So, so- let me, uh, before we get into that, let me just explain for those who haven't been following the uh, situation in the U.S. Uh, New Jersey uh, brought a case to tr- er, against the government, and it went all the way to s- the Supreme Court to try and abolish a law that, pre- that basically prevented uh, gambling on sports outside of four states that had old laws on the books in, uh, before the law came into place. Uh, that law was abolished, so New Jersey is, or gambling was legal in Nevada. Uh, New Jersey is pushing to have uh, gambling legalized in that state very quickly. Other states can choose to do so or not. Um, so that's where we're at now. It's not necessarily illegal right now, or legal right now. It's just in the process of, of uh, becoming legal very soon in a state near you. Who are you going to bet on first, Steve? <sighs> I, 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 don't have, I don't have all that much money to bet, so, you know. Dude, I, this is the fastest way a, to make money. It is. It's by gambling. The, 
It's also the fastest way to lose money. Yeah, with that attitude. I know. That's that's a half uh, a glass half empty mentality a, right there. This is a weird one, right? Because this is one of those things where you don't make any money going to a tournament in the FGC, right? You don't. You make a, you don't make a dollar until you win anything. Where potentially you could make money by betting on someone else while you're playing. I think there is a lot of grimy room in this so far. So it's going to be really interesting to see the way it gets regulated. Because obviously if Joe Schmo is playing like, or not even Joe Schmo because people won't put money on that, right? There won't be good odds for it. But I mean, like, if you can get some sort of odds on yourself or some guy, do you just take the free money betting against yourself? I don't know. There's a lot, there, there's a lot of bad room in this that I think isn't necessarily the case in pro sports where you have a lot more reason to win despite possibly match fixing. Doesn't look good to me. I don't know. I'm worried Mike, about it. Mike, I have a question for you. Specifically for you. Okay. Are you going to bet or are you going to be the bookie? Are you going to make the spreads? What are you going to do? Ooh, I, would, uh, I think I'd be a good FTC spreads maker. <laughs> I think I would be good at that. Someone should hire me for that. All right. Well, I'll Although I'm kind of anti. Well, <laughs> just hire me for something. Um, I mean, when the allure of that kind of thing comes about, though, like, and you can actually start making money, that, that turns a lot of new heads in your direction, though, right? And, like, like waiting uh, for top eight at EVO, right? And Street Fighter is almost, it's always been, like, the last game and such. So then if you want to get a good spot, you got to go early, and you got to sit through all the other games. The only way I can make it through Smash Bros. is doing bets on the Pokemon stages of which, <laughs> uh, which evolution that is or, the best or way to make stage it that it comes oh, next. God. Yeah, so you're betting on like timer bets on stuff on games you don't like. You're you know throwing you know, <laughs> um, but but really, uh, that makes it that, that takes the entertainment factor and takes the interest factor to a whole new level. I don't think anyone's like arguing that, but like. I like the way that Mike put it, saying like it's like a there's a grimy place for it because it, uh, you know, it brings in so much negativity. Like how how long until like mob people show up at you know Sonic Fox's door and it's like you're gonna take the loss, you know, and and stuff like that. It'll <laughs> break your kneecaps or whatever. It's like is that a route we really want to go down? Well, if we just focus on the fact that we can make more money and grow, then yeah. But those movies always end poorly, so. I don't know. It's 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 grimy. Now the fun bet and the one that I think that works really well in the FGC is like odds to win the whole the tournament as a whole, and there's a lot less room for match fixing in that. So I wonder if that'll be something that that pops up as a result of this, because stuff like betting for Tokido to win Evo is a lot more harmless as far as than than specific matches. But I'm not an but expert on on match fixing or anything like that. So. But yeah, there's even room for for griminess in that. Of course you know? there is, yeah. Like, if you look at DBFC's uh, betting on a grand final between Sonic Fox and Goichi isn't that insane right now. Um, if you give Goichi a call, say, hey, you know, I've got a couple thousand that says, you know, you have an off date uh, in grand finals. You know, the prizing isn't there in fighting games to discourage that, like you were saying. Um, and I, and we don't really have a governing body to take charge of that. I mean, like what can Capcom do? They can ban you from CPT events, but that doesn't do anything for the Tekken world tour. That doesn't do anything for DBFZ. You know, you're still going to have avenues. So I don't know how much power to detour uh, people from, from going to the dark side, I should say, uh, um, there is. I think. Can that, I just uh, say that? 
the idea of Steve as the muscle, like standing in the shadows as you play your match, and he's wearing like this pinstripe suit and fedora, just like you know, you only see half his face, and the rest is covered in shadow. He just nods at you, like you better take the loss. Is is beautiful to me. <laughs> like, I, so if that happens, all worth it. I, I will say on the other side, um, as far as bringing heads to and eyes to watch it. I think F, like the FGC and fighting games might be the most bettable esport on currently. The rounds are short. It's very easy to see who's winning and losing compared to any other game. I think if you were to take a random set of eyes who just wants to bet on something, there is quite literally not an esport easier to bet on and to understand and to have fun watching than the FGC. So for, for in that sense, I think it would be a very good market for it because I think it's way easy. Like League of Legends betting is like, I mean, I, can't, I, I played League of Legends at like a pretty high level for a while. I still can't tell what's going on. <laughs> and the one uh, stat that was uh, on NPR this morning, yes, I do listen to that on my morning commute, was uh, they were saying, I don't remember the exact number, but they were saying people who are fans of football will watch X amount of games and they're religious fans, right? People who are betting on football games, we'll watch way more games. Oh, way more, yeah. So um, you can make the argument that this would help viewership. It's like it's really like a deal with the devil. You have to take the yeah. deal with the bad, but there's 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 plenty of good to come from it. Except you know, you might lose all your money in your house and maybe your family. And, your and then I'll show up in the shadow. I was <laughs> <laughs> gonna have Sonic Fox's like tail with a pair of scissors. <laughs> The week betting is legalized, like me and John are grand finals. Like <laughs> Steve, Steve has broken ten backs. <laughs> oh, that's oh, it's gonna be good. Fall, as long as like maybe uh, when you enter a tournament, there's like a checkbox that you have to check that'll say, "I promise not to collude or uh, my match." That'll, that'll fix it. That'll, that'll make everything. Fix it. That'll, yeah, that'll fix it. I think that might. Well, yeah, we just done it with or, boxing. Or like, like, oh man, why didn't we just get checkboxes? Darn. Yeah. Well, I mean, the knowledge is <laughs> like, out there right. now. You're welcome. Get it fixed. Wizard runs up on stage. You check the box. <laughs> check the box. Wizard would be one of the first dead bodies you'd find. In this <laughs> Dang, it's like, dog. Hey. Fighting games are (laughs) the last point I'll make on this is that I think fighting games and video games are really like interesting and weird place to tell whether someone's match fixing or not. I I just think like a dropped combo. Some of these things are so subtle, but so like can be taken somewhere in your mind that it's really hard to tell what's going on or not for sure. I just have a picture now of how to, like, uh, like specific to the FTC, how to, like, break people's hands, like, open up the Mad Cat's fight stick, put their hands in there. Because <laughs> yet again, in, in, in professional sports, it's a lot more dangerous to, like, take a hit, you know, in football or in boxing or stuff like that. It's a little harder to fix a match. It's, like, extremely easy in video games, right? Like, oh, I was nervous and I dropped a combo, you know? It's just... It'll be yeah, interesting he, to see what happens. We're a few years away, but it's it's coming. Especially con- considering that even if you have, even if you get to one player in like a soccer match, you've still got ten more who can try and score a goal. You know, there, there's just so many more moving parts you have to deal with uh, in the bigger sports and the team sports than you would in uh, a fighting game or any other single player uh, competition. So. Well, and you don't currently have managers or anything that you're really committing to for the most part either, unless you're a top-sponsored player. And even then, it's usually just someone who writes you a check for the most part right now. Shout-outs so. to Chochongo1, who's in the chat for the first time. 
Um, we wanted to know what you have to think. No, it wasn't a sub. It was just a uh, first time in the, in, the, in the stream chat here. Um, question of the day. If it were legal, would you place bets on FTC tournament results through sports books? Jared Miller at Jared Miller 43 says FTC would be a very fun place to bet. Big open tournaments allow for small bets to win big. Wasn't there some conversation about how to better monetize open tournaments in the FGC recently? Sharpie, the purple <laughs> Sharpie says, but then I miss out on the look of despair as they have to hand me their money. Uh, Drew Fall says, it's a few months too late. Isn't that the truth? There will never be an opportunity like Goichi versus Sonic Fox again. I was literally ready to put down every dollar that I had to my name. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, I would have done it. So, damn, that would have been great. OBS Nightmare says, nah, rather make bets with fellow FTC friends. It's already happening. I don't need a bookie doing it for us. We can manage our own bets without the red tape, etc. Forever Evil X says, there's a chance to make money on esports in general because right now the hardcore fan may actually know more than the odds makers. Similar to why hardcore gamblers have moved to niche sports, there's a chance to make money and less risk of non-pay if it's not overseas. McFizzy <laughs> says... Putting my life savings on Fudo for second place. Savage. <laughs> God. Um, let's do a quick uh, block grab. <laughs> the Daily Double. Block grab. <laughs> block or grab on betting in the FGC, Mike? What, what, what portion? Like, do I want it? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Do you want betting, block or grab in the FGC? I will be the moral police and say block. <sighs> yeah. Even though I've done it many times. John? I don't think it should be officially a thing. Mm -hmm. John, block or grab on uh, sports betting in the FGC? Uh, oh, I'm so tempted. Like I, I'll, like I said, I bet on the Smash Bros. stage changes. I, that's probably indicative of me having a problem. Um, but I, I would do it. I would do it. I'm not proud of that, but uh, I, I think that it would be interesting. Hopefully it doesn't crash and burn everything. Um, and I'm well aware that it's probably a <laughs> shitty thing, but uh, I'm I'm interested. My interests are peaked, so uh, if it were legal, yeah, absolutely. Steve, block or grab on sports betting in the FGC? I just feel like there's way too much uh, room for things to go bad right now to be in favor of it, so I'm going to block. That said, we're going to be dealing with this sooner or later because, you know, we're there are reports that New Jersey will have their uh, licenses up and running by the end of this month. So if we come come around towards uh, East Coast Throwdown, you know, people can go to the venue, enjoy the show, take a step out, you know, drive to the local book place, call, call them up and say, hey, I want $50 on Sonic Fox to win it all. And then, uh, you know, go Jeff Galuli on... Uh, Goichi. Not that I'm saying anyone should do that. Don't do that. If you think you want to do that, don't do that. You're an idiot. Don't do that. It's going to be crazy. They're going to need bookies, right? And they're going to need people who know the numbers. It's a professional job in sports. Like, and those the spreads are really good, right? Like, it's hard. You no one makes no one beats every spread. It's impossible because they're they're so good at it at this point. And we should make a new cryptocurrency, Bison Bucks or something like that, so it can be totally anonymous. Oh, man. Oh, the rabbit hole. Isn't just... it ravioli coins or something? Because that's sure, exactly what we need, whatever. another freaking cryptocurrency. Boyardee yeah. Bucks. I, I, I just woke up and thought, man, you know what this world needs? Another cryptocurrency. There's you thought that too? Hey, guys. 30th anniversary tournament series 
ST, Alpha, Third Strike. How about that? Look, we even have a tweet about it. Announcing the Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Tournament Series featuring Super Street Fighter 2 Turbos, Street Fighter Alpha 3, and Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Um, I remember the 25th Anniversary Tournament Series. It kicked off in Austin, Texas. It was a badass uh, event. They had a world gem of a game. See what I did there? Street Fighter Cross Tekken. They uh, had Street Fighter 4, and I think they were playing Marvel at it, too. Maybe. I'm going to be making that up. And it was a good time. Um, Steve, you're real excited about this. Uh, do you think it uh, rains on the parade of the ST Survival Revival uh, dudes? No. I mean, they're all about, you know, more people getting their hands on Super Turbo and playing it. So I know they're excited that, you know, Capcom's throwing $7,000 for a pot bonus at the uh, CEO event. So uh, it's three tournaments, uh, one game per uh, event that's getting this uh that's part of the series so super turbo is going to be uh as ceo the game at ceo uh alpha three is going to be at scr and then third strike at canada cup and there will be seven thousand dollar pop bonuses from capcom uh for each of these games who y'all like for st depends on who comes from japan yeah. Someone from Japan, probably. Someone from Japan. I, who, I would predict Japan versus Japan, grand final. Okay. Third place, Japan. Fourth <laughs> place, probably Japan. Who y'all mm. like for uh, Street Fighter Alpha 3? The, that's the interesting one, Vaya right? Because no play. one fucking plays Alpha 3 anymore. So. Yeah, I, I like Vaya for it. Vaya's not playing. Ooh, what if, he, he's not oh. playing. So, some Watson's dude still win. plays Alpha 3 on Kaira or whatever, well, and he's going to win. Yes. I wa if, if Watson won... I would just love for him At to SCR? call out Vaya. Yes. <laughs> you know, and just have the most awkward award ceremony ever. You know, just kind of grinning through gritted teeth, both of them shaking hands. <laughs> love uh, you, man. <laughs> what about uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike? There's still plenty of people that play Third Strike, including here in Austin. It's one of the hubs of Third Strike activity. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I think this will bring people out. I think you'll get some some flyovers for these, yeah. specifically coming for these events. Now, a few of them are pretty soon, right? So it's like kind of crazy they announced it at the timing they did. But um, I mean, until we see the entrance, it's like impossible to say, it, right? Yeah. Uh, Javi, what game do you? We have Javi in the chat from Texas Showdown. What game are you playing out of all three? Which one of these excites you the most out of Alpha Three, ST, and Third Strike? We'll find out here. Let's all wait in silence until uh, Javi responds, uh, even okay. though there's a delay on the stream. It'll be like 30 seconds after your response, too, right? You don't think it's a good idea to wait? No, it's probably like, terrible. Okay. Um, well, that brings us to the end of the panel, guys. Uh, coming up, we have an interview with Rick the Hotto, uh, wherein we're going to spend 30 minutes talking about these um, Chan Chanified characters. Check them That's out, Alon. That's a good Alon. way to do 30 minutes. Alon, how about, how about you throw them up there, Alon? Just kidding. Here we got Giefer Sutherland. We have Karin, Alex, all of them. They got the works. Even uh, Sagat and uh, Cody are there already. Look at that. Oh, the, so the, Guile is the best. I think Guile is one of the funniest ones because the uh, the shades. <laughs> They're all pretty funny, though. Um, uh, you got Falk. And what is his name? is G, right? Yeah. Yes. We should have block grab on these. Well, Next time. I suppose it's not too late. Next time. It's 658. Okay, let's go through every single one in a block grab starting now. Just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I, I take my uh, previous statement back. I think the Armika one's the best. 
Thank you, Alon, uh, for cutting away right when I was pointing out. Oh, because the butt, yeah. Yeah, the butt. It's pretty funny. The Nikolai's pretty good, too. And Vega, not bad. They're all hilarious. Now, are these work. all supposed to be like uh, Blanca-chan versions? No. Is that what it is? No. That's not it at all. Why do you ask? All right. and we posted on Event Hubs, but I didn't I haven't read this. <laughs> that was my day off. <laughs> all right, guys. That brings us to the panel. Oh, you Lord. have been listening to the sultry sounds of John Velociraptor Guerrero. <laughs> and Steve, Ace King Offsuit Jurek. A.K.A. The that Punisher. The Punisher, yes. <laughs> don't do so it. Not don't do it. I have yeah. to say it again. Don't do it. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Love you, Misty. Bye. Later, dude. <laughs> Coming up next. First of all, let's point this out. It was in the studio, and Alon put it up here. Look at that. Isn't that scary? Very scary. Um, we're going to bring on Rick Thayer. The Hotto. The Hotto. Um, I found out something interesting. What did you find out, Efren? He's an 09er. Oh, wow. So am I. He's an 09er, and he said, I'm a proud 09er. I don't carry all that baggage of those OG losers. No, he did not say that. Um, well, nine years in, and he's like one of the fixtures of the FGC. So pretty impressive there. I would say so. Um, obviously, we're going to talk to him about Combo Breaker. The numbers are out, and there's some interesting stuff to glean from there. Um, I would say pretty dang good, though. I mean, no one, yeah, some good good things to glean. There, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. And in fact, there he is, Rick, the Hotto, Thire. What's going on, man? You got it right this time. I got it right this time, Thire. You did. <laughs> um, I was just uh, busting your chops here a second ago saying that I found out you're a no niner. True. Yeah, uh, but you wear that proudly? I have absolutely no reason to. This community is significantly larger after the 09 arrival than it was beforehand. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but none of us are OGs, man. We can never claim to be. At what point does an 09er become an OG? Uh, probably when a new game cycle has come out and we've all been placed. <laughs> well, then so we're all OGs. It's already happened. <laughs> Um, Rick, uh, we're really happy that you're joining us here tonight. Uh, of course, you have Combo Breaker right around the corner, and you're probably pretty busy, so we appreciate you taking 30 minutes out of your time to come and talk to us. Um, the numbers are out. Do you want to talk about them? I, oh, wait. I think I have them right here. We can pull them up on the screen. Um, Dragon Ball is at the top with 744. Yeah. Uh, are you surprised by that? Uh Yes, mainly because that many people being anywhere is always a little bit surprising. It's it's cool though. Like having a new game that's had that kind of response, it's been a while. When did you think that was a possibility? Because obviously, last combo breaker, this game didn't exist even as I, I don't even think they even really talked about it at all. I don't think it had even been announced. Mm. So when when did you start thinking something might beat Street Fighter V at my tournament? I mean, that happened the first time we ever threw Combo Breaker, just okay. for MKX doing well. Fair enough, Google. yeah, true. Um, in terms of Dragon Ball, that became real probably about a month ago when we put out the potential cap listing. Both Dragon Ball and Street Fighter were pretty much right around the same attendance. They still were for the majority of this build. And then life happens. And then uh, not that close second is Street Fighter V, of course, our condition yeah, with 686. Yeah, I mean, that's like, what, 60-point difference, Muscle Minos? Uh, and then Tekken, Guilty Gear, Injustice, and uh, Killer Instinct still rep in there with 139. Um, the Mystery Game Tournament. What's the Mystery Game? Uh, it's actually an incredibly long list of games. The Mystery Game changes every single match in the bracket. Oh, dang. Okay. 
Um, and then, of course, you have uh, Mortal Kombat XL with decent numbers, Infinite uh, tied with XL, Smash for Wii U, Vampire Savior, King of Fighters tied with Vampire Savior, ST with one less, uh, Third Strike at 100, Smash Melee 95, Mortal Kombat 9. And I asked you earlier, what's uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4 at? Uh, I believe it's currently at 19. Dang. Where's Puyo Puyo ten, uh, Tetris at? Five or six. Dang. Okay. Um, but you have, uh, you know, you have more information than just these numbers, right? You can look at uh, how many people entered and crossovers. What are some of those interesting things that you saw from looking at these numbers? Um, so, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway in general is just how much everything has grown. And we look at the game spread and particularly look at the games that have come back year over year. Street Fighter V group which means not only did we have the same amount of entries we had last year plus some, we also replaced anyone who can't come this year or isn't available or dropped the game in favor of something else or so on and so forth. So that alone is pretty sweet to me. Um, Tekken's growth is absurd. <laughs> I think that game has grown by about 189%. Um, in terms of people who have traveled specifically to play one game, Tekken's actually in the lead. 44% of the people who entered only one game entered Tekken. Um, which is awesome, actually. Uh, the other interesting thing is right behind that, though, is, is Street Fighter V. 38.5% uh, of people that only entered one game at CB entered Street Fighter. So and when we look at unique attendance, those two games kind of drive the focus. Wow. Whereas if we go all the way back down to some of the retro games, which we'd expect to be the games that have kind of singular attendance in a lot of places, 2% of people showing up to play Third Strike are only playing Third Strike. So um, what you're saying, or what you can gather from that, is they come for their main game, and they're like, oh, there's all these experiments. Yeah, I'll join that. I'll, I'll enter that. Is that what that means? <laughs> well, it means that there are just two types of people in the community overall when you look at attendance. There's people who show up and play exactly one game. It's the only reason they're there. It's the only thing that they're uh, probably going to dive into over the course of the weekend. And then there's everyone else who has a main game or has two main games or has ten games in some cases and just tries to consume as much fighting and content as they can for the weekend. And so having the ability to serve both of those groups, I think is a really important and kind of impactful thing at a lot of our events. How are your um, spectator passes doing? Doing pretty well. We've got uh, a number that I can't remember offhand because I was not prepared for that question at all. Uh, <laughs> three or 400 at the moment, we'll probably see if few hundred more at the door um that's pretty good actually since this is the first year that we're charging spectator passes which i felt was going to lead to no spectators coming through so it's kind of dope to see that the response is still this show's a good show i'll pay to enjoy it and how many new japan pro wrestlers are going to be at your event <laughs> now probably none which is I think a good thing because they've got an important place to be just a few weeks later. <laughs> now, I mean, the big thing that I gleaned from these numbers is that Combo Breaker has become the mecca for at least five or six of the titles, if not more, on that list. And if you're discounting, you know, entrance at Evo just because it's Evo for most of the titles on that list. What does it mean to you to keep running Mortal Kombat 9 and Skullgirls and Killer Instinct and being the tournament that these people go to? I mean, to me, that's incredibly satisfying. Like, MK9 is pretty much the game I came from. So being able to have a bracket the size of 74 people this year in 2018, outside of just being absurd, is humbling and really, really exciting. Because now I get to watch a whole bunch of things that 
were part of my genesis in this community all over again with, in this case, thousands of people that weren't there to experience it with me the first go round. Um, Killer Instinct is still my favorite game. It's still the game I play the most. So having 139 people to sit down and theoretically pretend I'm going to have the time to play with over the course of the weekend is really important to me as a player and as an organizer. Um, seeing so many games just pick Combo Breaker as kind of their event to build out their show is also inspiring because there, there's a break point in there somewhere. Um, we can't be all things to all games, but if we can, as much as possible, be all things to the collective community at large, that's going to mean we're continuing to hit our primary goal and hopefully being something the community continues to appreciate. So um, I want to come back in a little bit. I have some more questions for you in general, but I want to come back in a little bit to Tekken. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit more about them and their uh, circuit or their pro tour. But... Sure. Um, you know, these are questions that we got from our from Steve and John and uh, Elon and Mike and I put our questions together for you. What do you do differently that sets your event apart? Um, so the, the interesting thing is I don't always feel like we do that much different. We throw a whole bunch of games, which at this point a lot of events can say they do. Uh, we have as big a spectacle main stage experience as we possibly can, but CEOs is still bigger or there's lots of events that are coming up with cool and similar ways of showcasing main stages. Um, Dake would have just seen that at uh, Texas Showdown a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, what I think we have done a little bit differently is we try as much as possible to equate all games as equal. We know that's not true. There's 700 plus people playing Dragon Ball and there's 70 people plus playing MK9. But in promoting everything as equitably as we can in trying to promote the genre or the culture or some level of, I think this is cool, you should think this is cool too. Um, we try to rally together a little bit differently. Um, I think we also just promote a lot more content over the course of the year, um, which is partially because I have a design and marketing background, but also just because when we're running 19 games and trying to treat them all equal, that means to make one combo breaker post means we're making 19. Mm. And uh, that's interesting now, but moving on here, giving attention, this is another topic, giving attention to emerging rather than established players or scenes. Now, um, I don't see any emerging scenes here, really. I guess Tekken 7, but not really. That's not really fair to say it's emerging. It's a newer game. Um, but, but that's your philosophy, right? Let's uh, shine, let's spread that light. Um, how do you think you're doing that with Combo Breaker 2018? Um, so I think we're doing it in different ways than just here's the newest game, let's push forward. We still have the newest games that we can. Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is on here. Dragon Ball is on here. Um, Under Night in Birth's latest uh, variation is on here, um, which is probably the surprise of the year. That is a completely unexpected attendance number. Um, but we're also making sure all of those games get stage time. Like Under Night in Birth, although this is not announced yet, is going to have a 4v4 exhibition at Combo Break that's going to be the main stage activity Saturday Great night. News. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, no more details on that one, but I mean, we're gonna take the game, we're gonna put it on main stage, we're gonna give it the biggest presentation we can um, and see if we can't help other people enjoy and appreciate that game in the same way that uh, Skullgirls was the game we did that our first year. Um, Killer Instinct was the game we did that with the second. Tekken, we did that with last year. Um, just to try and kind of go, these are other cool, interesting parts of our community at large Let's celebrate them together and see if we can have a good time. 
How, um, how is working with some of the companies, you don't have to give any specific examples, but how is working with some of the companies that have these pro tours and, you know, catering to their needs while catering to your own? Have you had any difficulties or problems with that or has it all been pretty smooth sailing? So for the most part, it's actually been smooth sailing. There's a, there's a truth that every, every dev pub wants their game to be the biggest, best, most focused on. Um, and I think that's completely acceptable. That's their job. I'd be worried if that wasn't what they wanted. But thus far, they've all been understanding of Combo Breaker's core philosophy and allowing us to work around it. So I've never really had to sit in a meeting arguing about where this game is going to go on our stage scheduling or how we're going to advertise this secondary activity in relation to this game or whether or not we can actually just put out an app that advertises our entire event spread at once. Um, that level of accommodation is something I think our community doesn't always give those guys credit for. And it's probably something we should do because they arguably don't have to. And so I'm continually appreciative that they kind of give us that rope to run with. And more specifically with running old games that are, are not necessarily going to sell anymore, that's been totally fine too? Because I think I heard that NetherRealms is actually giving money to, to some of the older games, right? Uh, NetherRealm this year put a $2,500 pop bonus on not only Mortal Kombat XL, but Mortal Kombat 9. That's just insane uh, to me. And awesome. I'm not sure we ever played Mortal Kombat 9 at Evo for $2,500. So <laughs> it's, it's mystifying, but really exciting to see because a lot of these games are things that don't necessarily go away. We're seeing that with Capcom this year, and part of that is the 30th anniversary edition is coming out, but there's nothing to say they had to activate a micro circuit that's having $7,000 tournaments for a bunch of games that haven't been new for a very, very long time. And aside from the fact that I think that gives all those old players a great moment to kind of come out and celebrate the game again and kind of flex that nostalgia, it's helping get new players interested in it again, too. And what I think we've found with fighting games is anyone who comes into this community usually tries more than one game, and going back into an old game doesn't necessarily produce a bad experience. I go and sit down and try to play the original Tomb, Crate, uh, Tomb Raider at this point, and that's, that's unpleasant. It, it <laughs> exactly uh, work with how I expect a game to function right now. But Street Fighter Two still works almost exactly as I would expect a fighting game to work. Um, and so you th see things like uh, the Tournament of Legends that we're having a qualifier out at Combo Breaker. We're seeing uh, this situation with MK9. You're seeing Vampire Savior with 100-plus registrants. That can't all be coming from legacy players because there, to a certain extent, weren't that many traveling players during legacy time. It's exciting, though, isn't it? Um, I also imagine that it's a drop in the bucket for Warner Brothers, uh, Nether Realms, and there's obviously a game coming out. Um, Ed Boone's been teasing that. We got E3 around the corner. Uh, we're all expecting to hear something about Mortal Kombat. What a what a nice thank you to the fans that have been here this long um, in anticipation of that. Um, Tekken, the Tekken World Tour, um, I feel has done everything right that maybe the CPT has done wrong. Uh, maybe that's not fair to say, but I feel like they've learned from mistakes and been successfully avoided them. And I've been surprised about, I don't think there's been much negative feedback at all on the game, the tournaments, the, the, the reception in general has just been really good. It took forever for the game to come out, but um, maybe that was worth it, right? Well, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think it was definitely worth it. We had years of waiting for the game being a struggle. Um, 
I know in that interim, Bandai Namco even shipped around arcade versions of the game to Wizard Worlds across the U.S. saying, here, we'll give you a chance to play it because this is all you got for a long time. Um, but the backside of that is we have a great game. Like That's a really fun game to play. That's an amazing game to watch. It's an exciting game to watch. Um, and I've definitely been one of the people, particularly as an 09er, where uh, Tag 2 wasn't the most exciting game for me to consume, but Tekken 7 pretty much is. If I'm going to turn on a stream right now, that's usually the one I want to watch. And the tour has done a pretty good job of cultivating that feeling in not only the player base, but I think the general fighting game fan. Because there's more people watching Tekken right now than ever before. Mm -hmm. More people watching fighting games, period, than ever before. But I think if we look at last year versus this year, that game's just growing and doesn't show any real sense of slowing down. I wonder, um, do you, I, mean, I, don't, I don't even know how you would gauge this. There's probably some ways to get the metrics, but uh, is the player base growing or is the viewer base growing? I feel like when you put uh, Rips and Markmans and Aerises on the stream to commentate, you're going to draw people. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. So I, I, the interesting thing that I, Texas Showdown, let's use that as an example. Um, I know that when I tuned in on Sunday, you had almost as many viewers on the mainstream as you did on Eris's restream, and then you had additional people that were watching a Polish broadcast, and you had additional people that were watching other uh, personality broadcasts in the game. But when you look at all of those viewers kind of disseminated, that's just more people watching Tekken as a whole. And if that's also reflecting the fact that the tournaments are getting larger, which for the most part they are, I think everything has grown this year. I don't know if I can say whether or not something like Kuwait Battle Royale did. I don't have data from last year on that one, but final round was up. Combo break is up by an absurd degree. I think Texas Showdown was up. Um, it growing on viewership, it growing on tournament entries. It's just growing. And so I think that's going to continue, and it's good. Rick, we have a question from the chat. Drew or False asks, is Soul Calibur Six going to be at Combo Breaker? Yes, it is. We have free PlayStations all weekend and a character auction. Oh, right on. <laughs> oh, it's Friday, Saturday night right now, but that's happening. Yeah, I, I mean, we mentioned it on the show a week ago, but uh, Texas Showdown had Soul Calibur Six, and it was packed the entire time. Nobody ever got off that spot. Um, you know, recently in the air, I guess you could say, has been... Uh, FGC could be making so much more money if they just pulled their head out of their open bracket ass. Uh, open brackets versus invitationals was where that conversation kind of ended up. Um, there's differing opinions, strong opinions on both sides. Maybe we're going to get a completely biased answer from a TO of one of the most relevant tournaments in the country. But uh, maybe you can also just glean some, uh, you know, information for us or some thoughts on it. Uh, where do you stand, or what can you tell us, man? So I think we need both. I think a lot of times this conversation gets framed around whether it's a grassroots product versus some kind of uh, corporate and control product, but that isn't always, I think, the root of what we're talking about. When we look at old fighting game community products forever, there have been invitational-style exhibition content. If we go back to Seasons Beatings, there was important exhibitions at those. If you go to East Coast Throwdown or Winter Brawl, those have always capped off with some kind of feature exhibition. And all an invitational ever is is an exhibition that tells you who's showing up in advance. And if we get into a situation where we have exhibitions where we have good ways to qualify players into them, which is either tournament wins or social presence or some combination of the, the two, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because it's also rewarding players who are developing both of those skill sets. 
And if that's not replacing a grassroots product or a open bracket product, I'm actually all for it. And I think with how the fighting game has community has developed and how it sits today, we're not in a situation where invitationals are suddenly going to replace open bracket tournaments. In fact, we have really cool invitationals like Red Bull's Kumite series that has an open bracket tournament to decide who the last player to compete in the invitational is. So you actually get both at one event. Um, you could make an argument that Tekken Finals this year is an invitational where we're going to invite a bunch of players after a circuit who have performed to a approvable level. They're going to go to finals, and then there's going to be a tournament at finals, which is another open bracket that's going to qualify someone into that actual invitational finals. Um, so I think we we already do a lot of the things that we seem to rally against based on who's doing them. And I have mixed feelings about that pretty regularly, but I think we need both of those products. Not necessarily even for a, hey, how do we find sustainability or money, but just how do we continue to celebrate players that have separated themselves from the pack without necessarily removing the pack culture? Certainly. And I mean, Combo Breaker runs a lot of kind of middle ground events. I mean, you just mentioned the UNIB 4v4. Um, you run these character auctions and mystery game tournaments and such every year. What do those mean to Combo Breaker and as a whole? And what I mean by that is, let's say next, like, we, we eventually get to Evo size and you can't run as many games as you're running now. How many of those stick around and how important are those parts of Combo Breaker to you? Like, will there always be a character auction if it means you can only run 10 games instead of 11? So my feeling on that is there's a point at which Combo Breaker can't exist as it is today. Okay. And if we get to that point... I'm just going to cap the entire event, and there's going to be a maximum amount of people that register, there's going to be a maximum amount of people that can attend, because a lot of those aspects of what Combo Breaker is, I don't want to lose. They're too important to why I got involved in directing the event. They're too important to, I think, why the community likes the event. So it's not trying to really grow to that scale or replace events that are at that mm -hmm. scale. I think we need those experiences, too, in the same way that... Metallica at a stadium is a cool experience, and Metallica at the little club down the road from my house is a cooler experience, in my personal opinion, but not for everyone. Um, so we're going we're gonna to continue to try to do all of those things to the utmost of our ability at all times, because I think when you have an environment dedicated to stringent competition, which is what the Open Bracken Tournament is, wrapping that experience in four fun activities that are still rooted in competitive play is what kind of brings all of the attendees that we have together. Um, I'm watching Esam from the Super Smash Brothers mm -hmm. every year sit down and watch whatever is going on for Marvel, whether it's an exhibition or an auction. It just doesn't matter. He's literally always front row, really hype about it. Um, I want that to always happen. That's the biggest reason why we throw this event as a whole. Now, throwing badass tournaments is not the only thing you do. You also work at Twitch. Um, what do you do at Twitch? Uh, so I work on, I work in the esports team, and I work on fighting games. Uh, okay. I spend a lot of my time doing the, for lack of a better phrase, admin work around Tekken World Tour. Um, I do a lot of support work for all the other fighting game titles that are related to Twitch, and we try to also then come up with developmental things and outreach opportunities for fighting games. Basically, I do everything I do with tournaments, just on more of a dev pub publisher platform kind of scale. 
And, um, you know, what's the general vibe over there? I remember a uh, day and time when one Mike Ross was working at Twitch, and we had him on the show, and he, I, asked, I put that question to him, how's the FTC doing in the greater esports landscape? And he said, it's the tortoise and the hare, um, which implied that we were uh, moving along slow and steady. Uh, that was probably two years ago, if not more. Um, where are we now? I think we are steadier and even slower. <laughs> there, there's, there's no rocket ship to attach to a decentralized community culture. Um, I think that was true for skateboarding. I think that's been true with music festival culture. I think that's just kind of true around the board. And that's what fighting games are. We can attach a rocket ship to Street Fighter or Injustice or Tekken or Killer Instinct and see what happens. And sometimes that's going to mean getting to the moon and being able to try to do something different now that you're there. And sometimes it's going to mean shooting about halfway to the moon, seeing all these cool things out in the stars, not being able to hold on to it, and then having to go back to whatever was on Earth and going, I don't know if I really like this anymore. And so as long as fighting games are always steadily increasing and steadily trying new things and experimenting, which I think working at Twitch has allowed me to kind of plug into, mm-hmm. That's the exciting thing to me about being at the office. That's the exciting thing to me still about this community in a in a big picture kind of what can we do explosion sort of way. Um, but like Mike before me, I'm pretty big on making sure we do it in slow, controlled ways. And you know, to that end though, I sometimes I'll be watching a stream. I'm like, man, this is some of the best FGC streaming I've ever done in a while or watched. But then there's, like, Ninja playing Fortnite with uh, an extra zero on the viewer count. Um, and yep. I, maybe it's uh, unfounded, but sometimes I get worried. I'm like, man, what if, even though the FTC has a lot of heart and it's got some great entertainment and all that, it's just not as big a fish and maybe isn't as worthy in the grand scheme of, of attention or love or investment or all that. Um, is that an overblown concern or is there, is there any truth to that? How, how does Twitch proper feel about FGC? Who's your favorite band? Oh, I don't know. Um, it's just a band called Mana that sings uh, Mexican rock and roll music. You feel like that band's doing all well? They have a decent tour, cool fan base, good culture around them? Sure. Is that band doing as well as Taylor Swift? <laughs> no. Same thing. All right. Every <laughs> in this country could be trying to book Taylor Swift every night. Arguably, they should. That's probably the most profitable thing they could do. Uh, there's 365 other nights of the year. We've got plenty of time to fill every other minute with whatever we can find to be worthwhile. And fighting games have shown themselves to be worthwhile. There's a fandom here. Uh, there is a pervasive culture around this fandom that ha- isn't going anywhere. It's to a certain extent self-sustaining. Um, and as long as we can continue to make that more interesting to outsiders who aren't fans yet and bring them into the fold, that's all we can ask for. We don't need to be Coke. Uh, yeah. A&W is still doing pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. It always comes back to Taylor Swift. You have a framed picture of Taylor Swift at your house, don't you? Yeah, it wasn't framed. It was a calendar. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, that's interesting. I, I feel a little bit better to hear you say that. that I appreciate the perspective. Um, speaking of the FGC being on multiple platforms, I can't remember... Uh, it being on TV in the way that it has been in recent months and years. E-League was cool. Now we have kind of this uh, reality show uh, version of, of the FTC. Um, what are your thoughts on that? By and large, that's not on Twitch, um, right? So I'm asking your opinion as 
not a Twitch employee. <laughs> I, I like more people watching fighting game content almost regardless of what it is. And I, I don't often care where it is. I think watching stuff on Twitch, particularly since gaming as a whole has kind of adopted Twitch as our platform of choice. Um, it has our chats and our emotes and a lot of little ways that we can interact with each other that I think is an interesting add-on to the viewing experience. So I generally prefer to watch on the platform that I work at, but more people watching fighting games is not a bad thing. So from a how do we grow this community standpoint, go for broke. You know, speaking of more people watching it or having more avenues to watch it, um, I think this is the first year, and I hope this isn't a touchy subject, that Street Fighter V rights are not exclusive to Twitch. Uh, at least the CPT, you can find it on YouTube, you can find it on Facebook, and, you know, it's really starting to disseminate. I suspect that has everything to do with John D, but I don't know. Um, if, if you're on board with it being seen by more people on more platforms, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Or is this kind of the end of an era? Because, I mean, well, I'll let you answer, then I'll give you an opinion. It's the end of the era. I mean, I can't speak to how that stuff came to pass because now you are dealing with BD and legal and a bunch of stuff that I thankfully don't have to touch every day because I really don't have the patience for contracts. Mm -hmm. um, but it's cool to see more people watching more stuff. Uh, that's probably going to be my answer to every version of that question you have because that's just what I believe. And I, I'm a big enough believer in producing cool stuff that if you give me the same product, at 10 different venues on 10 different platforms. Some version of that is the one that I find the most interesting or that I align to or has the experience that I want. And as long as Twitch can produce the version of that that is the most interesting or is the most interactive or is the coolest, that's a win for the company, in my opinion, in more ways than one. Um, but if all that happens here is more people watch fighting games and then they come back and watch Best of Five on Twitch, now they've discovered there's more stuff around fighting games to consume, that's probably a win too. Yeah. I feel like uh, no hardcore FGC fan is watching it anywhere but Twitch. And I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your ass. It just seems, it just feels right. And watching it on Facebook doesn't feel right. Um, maybe Facebook and YouTube is where people discover it uh, and people who already know are on Twitch. I don't know. It feels like yeah. that, that, that's a gut feeling on that one. Yeah. I have no idea on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one last thing that I want to talk to you about before we let you go, and it is these awesome, uh, this artwork here. I think I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, yeah. This is just so cool, man. I'm tickled by it. Uh, what can you tell us about the artist and about the tradition at Combo Breaker to have, you know, special art? So Metamics, the artist behind these, is actually one of the guys who worked on Combo Breaker's trailers this year. So he's the guy who did all of the glitch effects and some of the color aberrations. And he worked with Esteban and Eric to put those pieces together. Um, he's got a table at the event where he's putting these illustrations and I think some stickers together and whatnot. And these types of products isn't even the right word. These types of secondary vehicles for our fandoms are super important to being fans of something. And seeing something this creative and this well put together is just a rip. The guile is so good. <laughs> yeah, the guile's great. <laughs> guile's your favorite? A, guile's your favorite on there? Uh, I don't know if Guile's my favorite, but I think he's arguably the best executed. <laughs> what you got, Mike? Uh, the last thing I was just going to say was, I mean, Combo Breaker at this point has reached uh, you know, a level of notoriety 
that is great, obviously. Um, for other people running tournaments, what part of Combo Breaker do they need to copy? Is it the crazy exhibitions? Is it just running everything on time? What, what should people take from Combo Breaker who want to make their tournament better? Make your staff bigger. Okay. Um, Good one. We have a terrible, terrible ongoing notion that events are run by single people or small groups of people. Every event in this country is run by multiple people. Even your local, whoever your local TO is, probably still has buddies helping them drive gear to the venue or manage brackets. And as events scale up and as they get bigger, you need more and more trustworthy people. So take care of the crew that's around you, uh, help train them and teach them so that they can replace you as soon as humanly possible, because that's when you're gonna have the best peer group to work with. And reach out into the community and try to build a local scene that is not just supportive of playing the game, but is supportive of kind of pushing on the culture and making events happen. Combo Breaker exists because the Illinois and the Midwest community put a lot of its own ambitions into not just producing good events, but in producing good staff. And those two things are so intrinsically aligned that it is something I think we can all do better by putting a greater focus on. Rick, unfortunately, we're actually a little bit over here, but is there anything else you want to leave us with uh, before we let you go? Combo Breaker is way too soon. It's next weekend. <laughs> Cannot make it. We're going to go live Friday by, I think it's 1 p.m. currently, and we're more or less running fighting games through Sunday at 10 p.m., so tune in, watch the show. I think there's nine feeds this year for you to pick from. Um, let me know what you do and don't like. All right, Rick. Well, we want to thank you again for coming on the show, especially since you're so busy. Uh, we always love having you on, especially because you're just doing so much, right? It's not just any old uh, FGC guy uh, doing tournaments, making moves, helping us out on the inside with Twitch, and uh, we're really grateful. We appreciate your time, man. Thanks for running the show every week. You got it, man. All right, that was Rick the Hotto Thayer joining us uh, presumably from somewhere in Illinois. I would hope so, this close <laughs> to the event. Or maybe not, I don't know. I mean, wherever he is, he'll, uh, he'll figure it out. And that was the show. I'm Efren. This is Mike. You're watching Best of Five. We'll see you next week. <laughs>